Hey, Danas and Beckys, what you're about to hear is an encore presentation of one of our favorite episodes from the Don't Ask Tig archives. Please enjoy. Listeners, I know I say don't ask, but I also know you need advice. And luckily, I have some incredible guests who are all too happy to help you out. Someone like Reese Witherspoon or David Sedaris or Sarah Cooper. So what is on your mind? Etiquette queries? Relationship predicaments? Work woes? Maybe you want to step into my confession booth and ask for advice about something you've never told anyone. It's all fair game. You know what to do. Go to don'tasktig.org or call 833-275-8444. That's 833-ASK-TIG-4 and leave me a voicemail if I don't pick up because it is the direct line to my kitchen and it's an old phone that hangs on my kitchen wall there. So if I'm cooking, hanging out in the kitchen eating, I'll definitely answer the phone. But if not, leave a voicemail. And I want you to say hello again to me and my face on my Hello Again tour, which I'm doing right now. I'm literally on the road in a hotel room in Durham, North Carolina. So go to my other website, tignotaro.com, and get a seat to come see me live and also in person in your city or one nearby, or one of your choosing. But again, I'm ready to say hello to your face. Hello again. So come do the same. Okay, on with the show. Did you ever imagine finding yourself in Mississippi? It's still really surprising that that's where you came from. I remember the Airbnb I was at had this, she had this whole picture made of human hair. It was so freaking weird. Something from like generations of her family had given up hanks of their hair to to make this crazy picture. And um, anyway, it was just like, wow. But, but I don't think that represents the rest of the town. No, they don't have pictures of human hair. Come on. No, no. I, I don't know of any. I'm. It's not like, oh, come on back to Mississippi with me. Meet all the crazy people, you know, and all the crazy things they do with human hair. I'm not sure I believe you, but go on with your story. All right. It's your podcast. <laughs> This is Don't Ask Tig. I'm Tig Notaro. It's the year 2022, and I'm beginning to suspect the asking is never going to end. With me now is an actor and singer who plays the lead role of private investigator Alexa Crow on the Acorn TV series, My Life is Murder. You can see her in shows like Ash vs. Evil Dead, Parks and Recreation, and Battlestar Galactica. She's loved globally for her portrayal of the title role in Xena Warrior Princess. Lucy Lawless, my dear old pal, it is beyond a pleasure to have you on Don't Ask Tig. This is a highlight for me, darling. Is it? (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm delighted. Yeah, it is. 
Lucy, we go way back. How would you describe our <laughs> I, way backness? Well, um, <laughs> so Tig worked for my husband, and he said she was kind of a terrible assistant, but she was so funny we had to keep her around. <laughs> and um, at some point, they were like, "We've got to get her out of the office." <laughs> send it a look after Lucy's kid while Lucy's doing publicity. So you were babysitter of the artist formerly known as Zena, and um, my daughter just has the funniest tales from riding in the car with you, and um, (laughs) you were a highlight of my daughter's life too. It was such a fun experience. I got to go take your daughter on roller coasters. I didn't even ride them, actually. She was... You guys are into roller coasters, not me. But I took her, and I found my fun along the way, driving there with her and hanging out in the amusement parks and taking her to lunch and whatever was going on. It was inspirational for her. Anyway, she's um, (laughs) kept up your legacy in some way. So, yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. When I worked for Rob, your husband, it was during the the days of Xena. Yeah. And then we've kept in touch, even though... Sometimes you live in this country, sometimes you're off in another country. And in fact, you even came out to Mississippi for... uh, For your wedding. (laughs) For my wedding. That was amazing. We were happy to have you. That was delightful. Thank you. And you were born in a suburb of Auckland, New Zealand. And your father was the mayor of your town. Right. And your great-grandfather immigrated to New Zealand from Ireland under some questionable legal circumstances? There was some consternation about the circumstances under which he left Ireland. And was Ryan even really his name? So uh, because maybe he had shot a policeman or is it apocryphal? I, we don't, nobody knows the truth. He, but he... Uh, oh, you're going for the lawless link. Is this is this No, a- we're just <laughs> tracking over the generations, the lineage. Right. You know, you, you go... All the way to a TV star, a television icon. Right. I know Lawless comes from your prior marriage. Right. I know you're Lucy Ryan. Yeah, yeah. Um, It is kind of amazing because there was nobody in New Zealand who had done it before, had gone off and been big, and certainly not in America. There were a couple of actors in England whose name you might not know, but you're a bit of an outlier if you said that's what you wanted to do. Yeah. And um, fortunately, my parents didn't tell me I couldn't. And and if they had, maybe I wouldn't have believed them. You just learn to achieve quietly in New Zealand. Otherwise, somebody's going to pummel you, you know, and tell you, who do you think you are that you want to be? Oh, you want to be world famous? You know, there's that kind of (laughs) from my brothers. What do you suppose is on the horizon for the rest of your people down the line here? Well, my kids, uh, my boys are scientists and um, my daughter is a ceramicist and um, she made a really cute short film called Edith Gibson Has $3,000. Don't ask what it's about. (laughs) (laughs) This, of course, is the daughter that... That you look after, yeah. Yeah, that I looked after. Oh, Tig, you got to look up this film. Edith Gibson Has $3,000 because you get Daisy's humor in it and she's actually appears in it momentarily. Oh, nice. But she directed and put this thing together, just quirky as hell. Anyway, our neighbor, Edith Gibson, growing up, eventually took to dolls in her dotage and ended up with thousands of them. And um, it's one of those little movies that takes you on a journey from derision to 
real compassion at the end, like you learn something and you, and in fact, she becomes an inspirational character. That's the best kind of documentary, you know, that where you come out a little changed. Of course, yeah. Because they showed you not only something about the world, but made you feel something different for another human beings. So it's a documentary. Yeah, it's only 12 or 13 minutes long. Okay. Now, Lucy, lesbian icon to lesbian icon. Yeah. <laughs> what, what is that? Strictly, what does that strictly mean? twixt us. Yes. <laughs> yeah. What does it mean to you? What has it meant to you? Uh, like the greatest fans on the planet. <laughs> um, I mean, you certainly made me cooler um, before I could even call myself a lesbian icon. Well, guess icon. what? Payback's a <laughs> sister, so... <laughs> Listen, I'll pay you back for the rest of my life. Uh, What does it mean? Just, I don't see gay, I just see people. So, (laughs) Um, no, but back in the days when that was a really a big thing, um, they made the show hip and cool and recognised that and made it, yeah, they made it cool first. They gave it a groove, so to speak. Yeah. And um, I was always really grateful to that and felt very uh, loyal and protective of them as a minority and um yeah if you stick with the fans they stick with you and they've just been the greatest fans ever yeah oh my gosh your fans are so loyal it's it's really something they're amazing all right and and so the question now becomes are you a natural advice giver no no not much uh i don't know let's see Let's see. I usually don't think I have any, you know, moral leg to stand on, but let's go for it. I I like your questions. (laughs) I like your questions. So, all right. So let's have you wield your worldly wisdom for my listeners out there who need help. Yeah. Our first question is about a daughter who is driving her mother nuts. Nancy writes, My 20-year-old daughter is addicted to her cell phone and social media. When she comes home for breaks from college, she can't stop looking at her phone during all of our family interactions. When she was growing up, we set rules about her cell phone, but now that she is 20, her father and I would like to stop being the phone dictators. We also don't want to spend the precious time with her over her breaks from school arguing about her rude phone behavior. Is there an effective way to get her to recognize how this is ruining our time together? Cry, cry, cry a lot. (laughs) I don't know what I would do in this. Just, And I really applaud her for not wanting to be the thought police, right? Because, you know, she's the boss of her, really. So maybe she just doesn't want to be there. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it feels like when I was younger, you and I are roughly the same age-ish, I felt like getting drunk or getting pregnant was the big concern, whereas it seems like now with cell phones, there's different problems that are happening because the disconnection and isolation is causing this intense level of depression or anxiety and loss of ability to communicate and deal with real life. That is horrible. I know. And I I feel like when there's the phone addiction that replaces actual connection and communication, kids and people are getting bored by the actual conversations with human beings. You know, they, they don't have the attention span to sit and communicate and have conversations. So what should she do, Tig? What should she do? 
I mean, I know she doesn't want to police, but I've heard people that do this when their kids come home. And I think it sounds like a great idea. Of course, my sons are only five and a half, so I've not really had to deal with this. But when I heard about when kids come home or it's dinner time or some special moment as a family, you put your phone, everyone, not just the kid, everyone puts their phone in cell phone jail. No, phone's on the table. Yeah, it's like you put it in cell phone jail and everyone's phone goes into the basket or bucket or whatever on the shelf. And so you have everyone's focus. And even if you have to, you know. Throw the phone in the pool. (laughs) Throw it in the pool. (laughs) Or just, or you have to maybe be okay with it ending up just being a half hour or an hour, you know. But explain, I think, to your child that the reason you're doing this is because you love them and you miss them and you just want to spend some time. Here's the thing. She's 20. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like it's time to stop acting like she's a child maybe. Mm-hmm. Nancy, is your daughter a bit immature? You can tell her that Lucy Lawless said that's really effing immature and to grow the hell up and portion out, this is a time to communicate with your friends and there's a time to be with real human beings and um, mm-hmm. and just... And that's what Lucy Lawless yeah. said. Be a freaking woman. Be a woman. Yes. All right. Nancy, phone addiction is real. Good luck with that. And you got two lesbian icons behind you on this. Lucy, we're going to pause for a short break, and then I've got more questions to ask you. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. You can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Macy's, Sephora, and Zappos. And even stack deals on top of cash back. It's easy to use and you get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. And we're back. Lucy, next up is a question from Edie. Edie writes, Hi, Tig. I heard you say that you journal sporadically, and I also do that. I have various journals tucked away in my home from many years of occasional working things out on the page. I keep them in case I want to look back at them. But what if I die? I don't want my family reading them. (laughs) There have been times I have used the journals to vent anger and frustration at my husband or kids, and I would hate for my family to see that. How do I keep the journals for now, but also get rid of them after I die? I hope you can help. Well, my first thought is maybe it would be a good thing to start a conversation with your family about, hey, 
you know, uh, I noticed you're frustrated about this or you're down about that. What's good to do sometimes is journal and go all out and let everything out on the page. And, you know, it's maybe things you would never say to somebody in person. And it's maybe not even necessarily how you feel, but it's a frustrating moment where you want to vent. And so you're teaching your kids and your family that this is just a way to deal with something. So maybe if when they come across your crazy scribbles, then they will understand a little better that maybe you were just mad in the moment. But what do you say, Lucy? Um, I love that you're being candid, Edie. That's awesome. You should because the best diarists in all, I, I read diarists, mm-hmm. famous ones, Chips Channon and a bunch of others. Being truthful is really critical for history. And you know what? You can lock them away for a hundred years somehow. You know, your grandchildren will find it super interesting that you are truthful. Then you need to have emotional truth. Now, I did hear about somebody who had this problem yesterday. They were on a British talk show. This woman had a difficult relationship with her mother who had been sick her whole life with ME and um, eventually developed Parkinson's. She had heart trouble, just terribly sick mother, right? She was not good to her daughter. Say she was, you know, fat and ugly and stupid and all this horrible stuff. Anyway, after she dies, the daughter goes to read the diary thinking perhaps this will give me closure. I can understand what made my mother tick. Mm -hmm. And she was horrified to realize her mother faked all that illness her whole life. It was Munchausen's, uh, not Munchausen's by proxy, but actual Munchausen's. And the thing with Munchausen's is that they're not delusional. They know they're making this shit up. And she was utterly candid talking about how oh, I you know, went to the doctor and I made sure they gave me the good drugs. Oh anyway, it was so <laughs> shocking. So I know, you know, if you haven't got Munchausen's, if you're not hiding the fact that you really don't have some terrible disease, Edie, you're golden. It's okay that you're pissed off. We all are pissed off. <laughs> I say go for it. But uh, <laughs> oh my God. maybe every few pages write something like. Juicy. Yeah, make it up. Well, no, not just juicy. I'm feeling for the kids here. I'm going, maybe write a little message and say, hey, that was a tough day. I know you're reading this and I'm like 10 years dead at this point, but I loved you so much, my little precious child. And also the stuff coming up. Good luck with what you're about to read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, You can also maybe, if you have a good friend that you trust with your, um, or you don't even, you don't even have to trust them. You don't even care what they read. I have a friend like that. My friend, Beth, we've been friends since we were small children. We moved to LA together. She's my kid's godmother. I don't care what Beth knows about me. She knows the deep secrets. She knows the horrible stuff. And if she read my journal, I like there is nothing in the world I would care. I kind of I feel that way about Stephanie too, but if there's a friend like Beth in your world where you can say, "Here are the keys to my diary," or "Here is the password to my computer where I journal," then give it to your friend. And when you croak, your friend can like, you know, get into your stuff and uh I don't know, recycle it. It's what floorboards are for, Edie. Just hide them, for God's sake. Well, she's hiding them, I think. But what about when she dies? Yeah, but they will be found in three owners' time when they go to, you know, deal with that leak. 
that's gone through the floor. Mm-hmm. Whatever you do, keep writing the truth. For sure. It's really so, so rare and so human. So keep doing it. Do you journal, Lucy? No, my life's way too interesting to share. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Edie, that's what you should do. But don't come back and haunt me if that doesn't work. I, I told you not to ask, right? Lucy, this question is going to lean on any interior design skill you may or may not have. Romer asks, I recently moved and for the first time since college, I'm going to be living in the same place for three years. I feel like I can put down roots and I want my home to reflect that. Do you have any thoughts on how to make a house feel like a home as a renter? Well... You've got to, the first thing to do that makes you feel like you own a house is you've got to put some holes in the walls. And I mean hanging pictures, not with your fist. (laughs) (laughs) But when you go to the trouble, because it's a drag, right? It's the last thing anybody does is hanging their pictures. But when you do that, ah, that wall becomes your home. You own it. Mm -hmm. I think that's really important. And um, are you allowed to put up colours? You know, Paint's a really easy way to transform things. As a renter, maybe you can't do that. But, I mean, can't you paint it back over once you leave? I feel like some landlords are fine with that. If there's a hole in the wall or different paint on the wall. Yeah, ask. Yeah, ask. And plants. I feel like you're too rebellious, Lucy, to ask. I feel like you would just put up any picture you want and paint any wall any color and be like. Crazy, hot pink and orange. Journal about it. Yeah, handle it. Yeah, you don't care. Hey, does this hurt your feelings? Journal about it. <laughs> oh, that's going to become like a really intense, oh, oh, okay, tough guy. Journal about it. Ooh. <laughs> oh, Romer. Plants, Roma, plants. Have some plants. If you're going to put down roots, get some plants. And there's really great plants that are great for cleaning the air where you live, keeping you healthy and... Adding to your salad. You have basil. Basil grows great. Basil, basil, whatever. Potato. Nobody says potato. Um, Sweet potato. (laughs) My little sweet potato. You say sweet potato. I say sweet potato. I'm going to start saying that. That's a good saying. Would you? That'll be good. But yeah, renting can definitely feel like a place where you're just seeking shelter until you move to your next place. It can be an in-transition type of living. I love transitioning, like living out of a suitcase. That is me, man. I would own nothing if I had life entirely my way. You would own nothing. My happiest state of being is when I'm leaving a place. What about Rob? Can I get him out of New Zealand? That guy's put down roots deep right through the floorboards. Yeah, but he couldn't live with nothing, right? No, no, no. He's acquisitive. He's the opposite. Well, I I think that you can fully make your place your own. Just make sure you, you get your plants and you paint your walls, put some meaningful objects in there, things that reflect who you are, a sense of your own history. Make sure your bed's comfortable, where you sit down is comfortable, where you spend time. Be comfortable there. That feels permanent, I think. Yeah. Even if it's only for a few a few years. Romer, that's what we think you should do to make your home feel homier. Lucy, this question comes from someone who wants to protect their personal space. Yeah. Hit me. Irish Goodbye writes My boyfriend told me that his family was full of 
huggers. Ugh. It wasn't until I gross <laughs> until I met them that I realized each person had to hug me when I came in the room and they lined up to hug me when I left. By the way, Lucy is shaking her head with a look of disgust. <laughs> um, that's why we're friends, Lucy. It wouldn't be an issue except that they don't talk to me slash acknowledge I'm in the room during the actual get together. We're talking roughly 10 to 15 people oh. here. I tried saying goodbye to the whole room with a wave once, and my boyfriend later told me that it was important to him that I go around and hug each person every time. I'm not a hugger. I'm not even convinced these people like me. What's a happy middle ground for us? I think you have to look at it like a stand-up comedian would write, like, this is hilarious. I am miserable. <laughs> it's like you, no moleste, right? No moleste, that's right. <laughs> you could wear a no moleste t-shirt, but they're going to hug you anyway. And they are for sale. They are on, on sale, this new tour. Uh, get your no moleste t-shirts. That's an old joke of mine that Lucy is referencing. But yeah, that's a good idea. Get a no moleste t-shirt. I think the fact that your boyfriend is saying it's important to him and them because they are quote unquote huggers, you should explain to his family or have him explain to them that although you're not a hugger, you are in fact someone who likes to get to know people. So while you're there hanging out, you'd love a conversation. I mean, it's kind of similar to the cell phone addiction thing of people unable to connect and, and communicate. I can't believe that's a real problem, but I do because humans are so oddball. But um, <laughs> that's a real, I mean, the first few times you could, as I say, you know, make it a comedic experience, you know, a Larry David, mm -hmm. uncomfortable, awkward thing, but it would get pretty old, wouldn't it? Mm -hmm. How often do you see these people? I mean, would you, if it were you, Lucy, would you just suck it up and hug these people? I think I might slip them some tongue or something. Give them a little, you know, I think I might do a little moleste myself just to like. <laughs> Give them reason to not want to come back. Yeah. Make them not want to hug you. <gasps> Ooh. Don't be good at it. Ooh, smell. Smells. You can use yes, smells. Don't take a bath. Don't take a bath. For a month. Let your hair get real greasy. Oh, what about skin conditions? Something catchy. Yes. Yes. Just say, I have worms. I have a cold sore. I have. So <laughs> I have oh scabies. Gosh. You gotta go I with have scabies. Worms. I In have fact, a cold sore. You know what? Actually, get scabies <laughs> because or, <laughs> because that oh would cure gosh. them all for life. They can all give it to one another. I mean, Omicron <laughs> is not enough, right? You need freaking scabies, right? They're like little arachnids that live under the skin. Yes, chiggers. Yeah. That, that's my advice. Oh my gosh, Lucy, that's that's really good. You're welcome. You can even walk in itching your crotch. Yeah. And, and say, don't even think it stops there. <laughs> okay. Don't think this is the end of it. All right, Irish goodbye. I know this is going to help you. Irish goodbye does not involve hugging, I guess. It's like <laughs> a, a kiss with a fist. Yeah. Kiss with a fist. I like it. Lucy, that's all of our listener questions. Oh, what a shame. But before we go, I have one last thing, mm. or rather thang, for you to do. This is a segment called Name That Thang. Name that thang. 
this is part of the show where people write in when they need us to name that thing for them. Anything from a plant to a baby. The catch is that they must use the name. Are you ready? Yeah. Lala writes, My marriage of 28 years is at an end. I'm a 50-year-old woman, and affordable and mental wellness living means I'll be moving onto a houseboat. I'm actually so excited and happy. New season of life. I want a perfect name for my boat home where I'll live and heal. <sighs> Lucy, do you have a name for Lala's boat? Look, the only thing, <laughs> the crazy word in my mind is Smurfette, and I'll tell you why. Because Smurfette. Smurfette because <laughs> A very dear friend of mine, she, you might have met her actually, Debbie Carrington. She was an actress. She was a little person. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I met Debbie. Yeah. yeah. And she was on Seinfeld in the heightening episode. She was Tammy, the cute little blonde little person okay. who made Mikey want to wear lifts. So he was heightening, right? <laughs> All the little people were heightening. And... um <laughs> And she, so she kind of looks like Smurfette and she lived on a houseboat with her really old dog. She, unfortunately, she's died a few years ago, but. Um, Your friend passed yeah, away? Yeah, she did. Oh, no, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. But such an amazing woman. Anyway, uh, so that's my word. And um, she doesn't really have to use that thing now that I named it, does she? Well, yeah, you're committed. I mean, I can give you some ideas I have. Yeah, let's hear your ideas. Well, the first thought I had was C. Jane Sale, S E A, C. Jane Sale. Where does Jane come from? You know those books? Oh, C. Jane right. Run. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. C. Okay. C. Jane, right. C. Jane do the dishes. C. Jane learn knitting. C. Jane. <laughs> But this is C. Jane, S-E-A. Right, C. Jane. C. Jane Sale, okay. What about C. Jane Fly? Well, she's on water. I know, but it's, she's sailing so fast. It's cooler. So to speak. What do I know? Anyway, go on. How about this? It's a boat time. <laughs> that is super Canadian sharp. Okay. Yeah. How about there she glows? Next. All right, Smurfette it is. <laughs> you hated all three of mine. What's there she glows? No, no, I kind of like C. Jane Sale, actually. I quite like that. Now. Oh, you do? Yeah, I get that. Yeah, I get that. All right, so it's between C. Jane Sale and Smurfette. Yeah, there's your choices. That's it. I kind of feel like I think that it would be pretty fun to name this boat Smurfette in memory of your friend. And obviously, the colors are very nautical, white and blue. Yeah. Lala. We've saved your life, Lala. There you go. Yeah. We've named your houseboat. Colored it. Smurfette. Yeah. That's what we've named it. Yeah. You have to remember, though, this is the name we came up with, and you have to use it. Smurfette. And if you don't like it, journal about it. Oh, my gosh, Lucy. You're getting so rude with this saying. Just throwing that in everyone's face. That's hard, man. Hey, Lala, you know what? Why don't you go journal about it? Okay? <laughs> if you're so happy and excited, then this shouldn't be a problem for you to journal about it. <laughs> Back to the journaling question. Uh -huh. Your kids should not be surprised. Let them know who you are ahead of time. Anything I write in my journal, the kids would go, 
Yep, that's about right. (laughs) (laughs) I always suspected as much. (laughs) That's a good point. Live life out loud. I think that's really good advice to express yourself. In real life as well as in the journal, yeah. It's a way of processing information, isn't it? So Mm -hmm. once you process it, go ahead and speak your truth. That's right. I love it. Is there anything you'd like to promote, Lucy? No, I send my love to all your fans in the world and... Let's go out there and be fabulous and fierce. All right. I have to say, I love you dearly. Likewise. And I really hope that I can see you in the flesh sooner than later. I do too. All right, Tay. Great to see you, bud. You too. Bye. Talk soon. Bye. And one more time for the procrastinators and latecomers, go to tignotaro.com because I want you to laugh at my jokes in person. I'll be in Portland, Oregon. Fort Myers, Florida, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, New Orleans, Louisiana, Dallas, Texas, San Antonio, Texas, Phoenix, Arizona, Kalamazoo, Michigan, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Chicago, Illinois, Madison, Wisconsin, Iowa City, New York City, Honolulu, and the list just keeps going. So uh, get a ticket and swing on by. Don't Ask Tig is hosted by me, Tig Notaro. It's produced by Thomas Willette, Shana Deloria, and Ryan Lore. Our executive producer and editor is Beth Perlman. Engineering and sound mixing by Johnny Vince Evans and Eric Romani. Digital production by James Napoli. Talent booking by Marianne Ways. Production support from Pizza Shark. Our theme music is Friend and Tig by Edie Burkell and Kyle Crusham. And Listen to Your Heart by Edie Burkell. Special thanks to Hunter Seidman. APM Studios executives in charge are Lily Kim, Alex Shaffert, and Joanne Griffith. Concept developed by Tracy Mumford. Our executive consultant is Dean Capello and Gobsmack Studios. You can always ask for advice at don'tasktig.org. Just write in with your problem or send us a voice memo. Remember to follow us on social media at Don't Ask Tig. Don't Ask Tig is a production of American Public Media. And as always, thanks, Dana, and I'll tell Becky.
Hi, I'm stand-up comedian and sex symbol Tig Notaro. And I'm actor and writer Cheryl Hines. Before Cheryl and I got into the big business of podcasting together, <laughs> we were just simply friends. And we're still friends. But now we talk about a different documentary every week on our podcast, Tig and Cheryl, True Story. So whether you love documentaries or just want to hear us slowly lose our minds, check out Tig and Cheryl, True Story, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, cool. <laughs>